My new book, Peace Over Pain, is now available. You can buy it for $20 on Amazon or you can download it for free inside my exclusive Facebook group. Simply go to peaceoverpain.com slash join the group. And between the group and the book, you will learn how to eliminate chronic conditions. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Are you courageously living your truth? Welcome to episode number 154. Today, I'm sitting down with Sheila V. She's a professional psychic medium, a coach, and the author of Brave, Courageously Live Your Truth. Before we begin, sit down and relax and take in this important and beautiful conversation. Let's begin. Sheila, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here, Kevin. Thank you for having me. So how does somebody courageously live their truth? For me, courageously living my truth has been about honoring my spiritual gifts and walking my spiritual path. Um, and in my book, Brave, I don't, and, and courageously live your truth is, in, is the top tagline of my book, Brave. And I don't even refer to the spiritual path in my book. I call it the courageous path. Because, Kevin, I think it takes some courage to courageously live your truth. Quite often in our life, especially when we're younger, we take on limiting beliefs. Um, And when I say limiting beliefs, they're beliefs that may not be our own and they may not honour our own unique journey. And these beliefs tend to look like I must go to university, I must study science, um, you know, I, I must do well at sport, Um, I must get married, I must not leave the city or I must move somewhere, right? So we have all these beliefs and they're from family, they're from culture, they're from our social groups. And then as we become adults and we individuate, which is the spiritual path, is the path of individuation, that takes courage. So our whole dharma, our whole whole, um, soul evolution in life is to courageously live our truth and that involves walking a spiritual path. And for me, the spiritual path has been an awakening. Um, generally, with you know, we can go into this a little bit more. Spirit guides connecting to my higher self. The courageously live your truth looks different for different people. For me, it was honoring my path as a medium. Uh, it was letting go. We could talk about this more. It's letting go of my old life. I was a finance director in the corporate world. I did an MBA. I was a chartered accountant. And I had to to let that go because I knew it it had served me and it was not part of my identity anymore. And I had to look at reconstructing not a new identity, just figuring out who I was in the world. Like, what did I want to do? What did living on purpose mean? Yeah, because one of the things that I've wrapped my head around in my journey is, you know, we all get about 80 years, right? Give or take. And Like, what, what do you want to do while you're here? Because you're going to die. <laughs> like, yeah. So what do, what do you want to do? And 
how do you want to be useful? And yep. so it sounds like you came to uh, sort of a same conclusion where you kind of took a took a left turn instead of going on the same path straight, right? Yeah, well, look, I love what you said then, Kevin. Everyone dies, but not everyone lives. Hmm. But everyone dies. And I was present that I wasn't living. And I was living a life that probably was someone else's life. And, um, you know, I write about this in my book, you know, um, what purpose is. And my every chapter's favourite, you know, when you write a book. My Dark Night of Courage is one of my favourite chapters because I feel like not everyone has to go through this, but a lot of people do when they have their awakening. It's the dark night of courage. It's, 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 a, it's a time in our life where everything can feel like it's crumbling, dissolving, disappearing, that doesn't serve us. So the darker the night um, is correlated to how much we are attached to an old identity that absolutely doesn't serve us. And for me, I, I had just come back from the Arthur Finlay College to study to be a medium. I'd found out I had mediumistic abilities, but you know, when you have these awakenings, you still don't really trust your abilities. You're like, mm, am I really, can I really do this? So I just come back from studying at the Arthur Finlay College. I live in Sydney and I traveled all the way to the UK to study this. And I came back after a week of channeling dead people with an absolute all body knowing I'm meant to be a medium and I'm meant to work in this field. And I didn't want to, one part of me knew that. And the other part of me was like, I don't want to know this. This was an inconvenient truth because it meant having to quit my job, give up my career that I'd worked so damn hard for. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. I don't even know how to explain this to my family and friends. And so my dark night involved being fired from my job. And then within a week, I created my website. And that was like eight years ago um, that I started to work as a medium. I worked part-time for four years while I had my corporate job. And three years ago, I quit my job um, to write my book. And now I teach people spiritual development. I support them through the awakening process in my 10-week program. I mentor. And I, I never dreamt I could do that. When I got fired from my job, I was happy just to do one reading for one client. You know, it's it, like, like you, Kevin, it starts, it's a humble game. We don't know where the path starts. I realize you just got to start walking on it and all these beautiful, miraculous doors open. We don't know what those doors look like. Right. Uncertainty. So on this podcast, oh, we talk about this a lot. Typically it's called dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. I like how you call it dark night of courage because <laughs> it, 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 I've been through it myself and it's, uh, you know, you feel like you're dying. <laughs> like like you, mm-hmm. you think like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're meant to feel like you're dying because you are dying. Like the old you is dying. It has to die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and typically it is, typically it is triggered by a loss. So you're saying you were fired from your job. And so your identity was attached to that job and then boom. Yeah. When I mentor clients, it's always divorce, death, job loss, um, loss of identity when children leave the home moving to a new city maybe for partner's work or your work it's 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 a loss of something that our identity is predicated on and the second thing is highly attached to so identity is highly my you know when people would say who are you I would introduce myself by my job role I'm the head of finance I am a finance director 
You know, they weren't asking me what I did for work, but I saw that as my identity. So it was inevitable the universe was having to remove that from me. You know, so I was asking for it, you know, in some ways that we are asking for our dark night. If you have the ability to reflect, you will see that there were many signs I received before and I've written in my book. My, another favourite chapter is signs and synchronicity. Every time I do a masterclass on signs and synchronicity, everyone turns up. Everyone loves signs. Everyone receives signs. And everyone wants to receive more signs. And it's our first, it's, it's a hallmark of the awakening process. Because when the ego dissolves, our auric field suddenly becomes thinner and more receptive to psychic information and connecting to guides and then connecting to different dimensions. And when you connect to different dimensions, you receive signs. So in this third dimension, we can receive, we can be with other dimensions. So science is seeing the, the, the markers and the guiding posts from the universe showing you the next way. It's repetitious. It's strong, it's a pattern interrupt, and it comes to you in a way where you think that's a sign, right? So that's one of the, you will receive signs during your dark night, but you've got to pick yourself up the bathroom floor and leave your house to receive the sign, right? And, and, and that's why in this day and age, COVID was hard. So a lot of people were having dark nights and they couldn't leave. It was a very difficult time. But as we open up now, we need to get out of the house. We need to ask for signs from the universe and receive them because they're the markers into your new world, your new life. The, the dark night has to recreate a new life. That's the point of it. And if we don't, we will have another dark night. Oh, some people go through many of them. I, I just had a, 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 um, a doctor on this show who just went through her third one in her 60s. Mm, yes. So. That's why, that's why I, I believe it's very good to work with a coach or a mentor or a spiritual teacher to create a very much a mirror of reflection of what change is needed. Because it's also very hard in the middle of your dark night to make the changes. I remember bargaining with the universe. People can understand this. You're like, okay, I'll do my spiritual work, but I'm going to then get go back and get a corporate job. I'll, 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 I'll leave this guy for a while, um, but we're going to get back in three months. <laughs> you know, we, we, we bargain. We bargain and buy ourselves time. I know I do that. So I was like, I'll do this work. And then once my, I've started, I'll go back and get a new job. And I did. I went back and I ended up becoming the finance director at Simon & Schuster in Australia. It's a big global publishing house, a wonderful company to work for. So I bargained. I kind of went, I can't give me this and let me go back. But that calling got bigger and louder and stronger. Then I was called to go on a pilgrimage and experience another um, big ascension process. I went into Peru and did ayahuasca mm. and had a shaman. So we're always called to the next teacher for the next in initiation and growth. Uh, we can only sometimes piece this back when we look back in our life and go, oh, wow. You know, and, and we find on this spiritual path, if you can if you can really love the path, we have the most interesting, fascinating lives. Don't you think, Kevin? Don't you think we, we, we have a life that's very unorthodox? And um, if, you, if, you're, if you're gifted enough to have a very strong spiritual path in this lifetime filled with a lot of growth, your life will 100% not look like everyone else's. No. And if you, if, you can, if you can allow yourself to move from the traditional constructs and you go, wow, I definitely haven't had a conventional life, but I've had a very inspiring and inspired life, you'll find great gratitude. But if we're trying to hang with the sheep, 
well, that's, you know, the wolf can't hang with a sheep. Well, why be a sheep when you could be a wolf? <laughs> right. Right. It, it's hard for folks that are ascending in higher consciousness to hang around people in lower consciousness for long periods of time. Yeah, and that's why it's your duty. And I write about this in another chapter of my book. It's called, um, I think it's called Soul Tribes, the, the Courage to Find Your Soul Tribe. You have to get courageous to find your new soul tribe. You've got you to get out the door and do, go to the yoga classes and the, the workshops and lean in at those workshops and, and smile to the person to the left and right of you and say, hi, my name is, you know, why are you here? Even if you're a little introverted, you've got to lean in because that person is also probably having a dark night because they're there at that shamanic workshop or the Reiki workshop or the, you know, whatever the, the workshop is. And that is your new friend. They're, they're your new people. And there is definitely a transition part between the old circle of friends and the new. And that also feels like a death because friends fill our time. They give us support, knowledge, information, and when you can't be around a group, there is a, there are, there's a rule missing in our lives. So it's a duty we have upon ourselves to act, have some activation energy, get out the door or get onto Zoom and find some new groups. And um, this, I mean, I run this amazing workshop, um, this course, and I love the first class every consistently, every time I run it, everyone's looking around at, at each other. They're all from all walks of life, different parts of the US and Canada and Australia. I run it in a time zone that works and everyone's having their awakening and they're like, Oh, I'm so glad I found this group. They've all felt lost in their home and they've found this group. So I love being that for people. And I was that student in other teachers classes where I was like, I, I don't know who I can talk to about spirit guides or mediumship or about I'm on this path and I'm really confused. The path is very confusing for a long time. So you need your teacher to hold the light as you walk. Yeah. So you, you've got to, you've got to lean in and find that. What do you think about that, Kevin? Like, does that resonate with you? Absolutely. It does. My mentor ironically is in Australia. <laughs> there you go. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's important to, to have someone holding the light. You're right. Yeah. And then you can hold the light for someone else and it, and it keeps it's going. It's inevitable. Yeah, it's inevitable you'll, you'll eventually hold the light for others. I, I teach the teachers. So in my, in, my, in my courses and workshops and things, I always find they're all starting and I say, you're going to be teachers one day. And you're learning how to hold space and you're learning, you're just learning how to become sovereign on your path and then they're going to be newly awakened underneath you. I mean, this ascension process isn't new. It's been going on since millennial. It's just accelerating since COVID's happened. There is a mass awakening that's happening. And um, because of the exponential factor, that one person awakens five, 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 and you just get, a, a, you know, an acceleration of the awakening. I think COVID was one of the best things that happened for humanity in the sense that um, we all had to stop going into our lives and look at it. We all had to take a big, hard, uncomfortable, painful look at what wasn't working. And if we use COVID well, we've re-emerged with changes. Right. We all had a collective dark night. So you couldn't see yourself going back to the corporate world. You, you know, what's really interesting, Kevin, I, psychic readers many years ago, they said, you're going back. And I was like, arms crossed, like, no way. I am not going back. I'm quite, I'm quite stubborn. 
until I stop being stubborn. And um, I'm actually going back now speaking as a, as a keynote, as a speaker. So I speak about awakening. I speak about being brave. So I'm not going to go back to the finance director. That old identity in life is gone. It served me in so many ways, Kevin. I now feel very comfortable in corporate, in corporate world. So not many spiritual people feel comfortable in corporations. Hmm. You know, I had 20 years and I sat at a board level so I can walk into boardrooms and feel very comfortable because I was a finance director. So quite often I teach my students that the first part of your life makes sense in the second. So I find people that are chiropractors or nurses or working with the body physiologically, they start to understand there's an emotional issue here. And then they learn um, and, and study mentoring, coaching around emotions, the mind-body connection, and they become master healers because they understand physiology and they understand the emotional and trauma link. You know, some of the best me um, medical mediums are nurses because they can look into the body, receive guidance from spirit, but use their nursing knowledge, all that terminology that you need when you're giving someone medical advice. They, they have that at their hands. So sometimes we need to spend a good chunk of life on earth doing earth stuff. And then we use all that knowledge once we have our awakening, that's when we become alchemists and we use it to teach, inspire. So I now go into corporate world and I teach about awakening in your corporate job. Why? Because I had that. Right. Does everyone have a spirit guide? Yes. I... Just one? We're all... No, no, we're all born with the master guide and the master guide is with us from conception through to death. The master guide is here to teach us how to honor and, and ensure we fulfill our soul contract. The soul contract is always being executed, but your dark night is the, is the quantum leap into the contract. It's that quit this job. You're now about to begin what you'll know as your purpose work or your calling, but all these skills you've learned along the way will make sense, right? So the master guide is there as, as someone who's guiding you to ensure you learn your earthly lessons, you, um, you evolve, you heal through what you're meant to heal. We have ancestor guides that are around us. They are part of the mother's or father's side of the family or mother, mother, father, father. And um, they're here to help break intergenerational traumatic cycles. They're also here to amplify intergenerational gifts, abilities, special things we have we don't know. Then we have teaching guides. You know, you're a teacher, I'm a teacher. I work with guides to teach. I work with clients' guides. There's a protection and gatekeeper guide that stops us from trancing too deep and also protects us from harsher energies in the world. My first lesson in my course is all about guides. The first thing, one of the hallmarks of the awakening process is going from not knowing about guides to going, who are my guides? There's, there's literally like an awareness of energy around us is one of the hallmarks. So we go from, you know, when we're drinking and boozing and smoking in our 20s and, you know, depending on what life we had, but that was me. There's no way that energies, there's no way I could have been sensitive to energies. I start purifying my life and suddenly I'm, I'm aware of energy. I'm like, there's, some, there's something here. I don't know what it is. Then we start to come into the knowledge of the word spirit guide. Then we end up going, well, who is my guide? I want to start a relationship. That's when we go to mediums and we ask the medium to be the medium between us and the guides. Mm -hmm. Then the next part of the process is I want to connect to the guide. That's when we do a workshop with a teacher and they teach. That's what I do now. I teach people to connect to their guides. Then we move up to channeling, 
where we have mastery of how we work with the guides. We know names. We have visions. We, we have a knowing. If you don't see or know, you might feel the guides around you in different ways. You start to channel from them. And then the ultimate is the high self connection where you are just connected to guides. There is no discerning of the different guides. There's just connection to oneness. Does that make sense to you, Kevin? That's my yeah. short and sweet, <laughs> the fast version of what it is. So to answer your question, we all have guides 100%. Um, and the guides are always guiding us. Well, why not? If you've got a support team, why not know who they are and communicate with them and put questions out to them? Right. And so did you? were you aware of this before your dark night? You know something? And this is for everyone that's listening to this podcast. Before your dark night, you tend to be so attracted to spirituality, astrology, numerology, some esoteric metaphysic. So before my dark night, I don't know if I really knew about guides, but I knew about all this. I knew about spirituality and I was just interested in all sorts of stuff, tarot cards. I'd read about like psychic stuff. Um, I, I kind of knew guides existed, but I didn't really believe it. Like you're in and out a little bit. Um, but as I got before the dark night, I started to study spirituality and I did study spirit guides. Yes. Before the dark night, I was aware I'd guides, but I was kind of ignoring them. Like I was like, yeah, I'm not quitting my job. Like you think you can negotiate with them. <laughs> They're like, quit your job. Like, no, <laughs> like, that's the difference between the entry level, the initiation awakening and mastery or relationship building with the guide. So now they'll, they'll say, okay, you know, think about doing this. I'm like, okay, why, where's this leading? I have a, it's a conversation. So Neil Donald Walsh wrote conversations with God. It's a conversation with God and spirit guides are an intermediary between us and higher self God, because they're the energies that we can connect to because our frequency isn't high enough to sit in that space. So the guides are, are they're coming down to match our frequency so we can constantly climb up in our frequency. Does that, does that make sense to you, Kevin? Yeah. So I've had quite a few people come on this podcast in the past and mm -hmm. um, they had near death experiences, mm -hmm. you know, and they have reported uh, seeing angels or whatnot, or having some sort of guide be like, all right, yeah. you, you need to go back now, you know, things like this. Mm -hmm. It's not your time. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I, I, we, we learn about, look, we learn about spirituality in a synchronistic and Deepak Chopra calls it synchro destiny way. Okay. So you get atheists that have NDEs and then they're like, Oh my God, I'm a believer. Right. And then they become the biggest teachers in the world. It's like, um, Brian Weiss, he was a, you know, very scientifically based psychiatrist and he regressed people and he he, re he realized he was regressing them into a time that was like a hundred years ago. It's like, what's this? And then when they were bringing through all this information, that's how he learned about past lives. Right. So it's always great when scientists <laughs> have, have these breakthroughs. I had this interesting synchronicity where I had three significant relationships in my thirties. I'm now 45. And um, a lot of mediums and psychics have trauma when they're younger. A lot of mediums experience early death death of a child, death of a partner, early death of parents, I've noticed when I, especially yeah. when I've studied around mediums, it's, it's a statistically high incident of that, but I was spared this. And I was thinking, why did I 
how, how, have I, how do I learn about mediumship when I don't really have these personal experiences? And then in my 30s, I had four, four relationships. And this is an uncanny synchronicity. And I don't like to say the word uncanny because it's a synchronicity. And these four gentlemen each had had a sister die. And what is the chance that four men that I date have a sister die? Not when I'm with them, they, they died before I met them. But obviously on the first or second day, you go, well, who's your family? Who are you? Right. And one guy, my sister died. The second guy, my sister died. The third guy, I was like, what? My third guy I was like, your sister died? And the fourth, I was like, don't. So I was being taught, I was being taught through these men about death, about overcoming death, about unexpected death about we don't heal, we haven't healed, we're still healing, we don't, we didn't know how to heal, to we've made, we found gratitude, we've made sense of it, right. to, so I, I got to learn about death in a very comfortable way, thank you universe, so we all learn, we all get our, um, we all get our teachers and teachers, and so I always tell my students to look into their past, and what is their past pointing them to studying, because our wound, our trauma, that's where our gifts lie. Yeah, synchronicities are really a lot of fun <laughs> if you open yourself yeah. up to them. And I I actually think that I just had one right now because yeah. I've never heard of the name Brian Weiss before. Oh until, yeah. Until today. It came up on my Instagram and then you just mentioned it. Oh no way. You know, I never mentioned his name. It's funny you say that. I never talk about Brian Weiss. I studied with him many years ago. And just you, just- I, I think it's I, him. Like I'm literally on my yeah. Instagram looking for it yeah, to confirm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, in the middle of a yeah. podcast every and I'm like, <laughs> I need to find out. Yeah, yeah he's a past life regressionist. And he te- he, he, he's kind of probably the father of, I mean, the most common teacher, well-known teacher about to teach past life regressions. And how we came, like when I was in my twenties, I used to love, this is a big hallmark, Kevin. I used to love hearing about how people stumbled across their spiritual career. And that's what I speak about. And that's what I've written about in my book, Brave, because it's this kind of weird stumbling, but it's nothing weird about it. It's divinely orchestrated by the universe. We just got to get out of the way and allow. We got to allow that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Allowing things to happen. Very hard for many, many people. Yeah, but you know, the more of us that do it, the easier it becomes for the mass. Yeah. The more of us that, that do it, we become the way, the, the, the way showers. We end up learning tools that we speak about in our community. Um, but you, you look at our mums. Like as a woman, it was very hard for our mothers or grandmothers to work, but a couple of them did. And then the next generation were like, well, I know my grandmother worked. I'm going to work. So we, it doubled. And then the next generation, it quadrupled. So it's like that with the women's empowerment movement. It's like that with spirituality. There's like a spiritual empowerment movement that's happening. The more of us that wake and lean in, it is easy for the, for the, the, the generation below us or the age below us. How about numbers? When you see like 11-11 all the time, 2-2-2. Two, two, yeah. Two. yeah. So absolutely, each number has like a, an energy and a resonance. So one 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 is to watch for your thoughts. Your thoughts are creating a reality, and you're being guided right now. There's an acceleration. Two 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 and three 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 are the numbers around, and four 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 the angelic numbers. Like you are being supported 
444 is the angelic realm. You, there's a lot of support. Um, trust. If you're going through something difficult, trust it's going to work out. 555 is the number of transformation. You might see a lot of that during your dark night, 555s. It's like, yes, you are in the middle of it. We see you are in the middle of this and it's going to be okay. 666 is the number of there's a little bit of a focus in your life and materiality. Bring yourself back to your spiritual pursuits. 777 is a number of your mastering your spiritual knowledge and wisdom. We honor you. You're integrating your spiritual wisdom. 888 is the abundance number. It's on the way. Stop worrying about money. 909 is the end of a cycle. Well done. You've graduated to the next level. And then we get back to the 111s. So a lot of the most common people see are 111s and 222s. But I like teaching in my course about there's, all, there's a whole lot of numbers. <laughs> so start. And, and when I teach it, they start seeing all these other numbers as well. Do the spirit guides or the universe in general supply us with financial abundance? As long as we're doing the 100%, right thing. hundred percent. Money is energy. Money is energy. And it's, it's our own free will. So what people forget is they, they do a little bit of spiritual bypassing and a little bit of spiritual abdicating going, either you renounce money. I did Buddhism for a couple of years. I was a Krishna devotee for a couple of years. I watched the orange, I wore the orange robes and chanted Krishna. I was like, I don't need money. I'm a finance person, but I don't need it. I realize I do. So, um, you know, we, we go through all uh, incarnations and we, you know, have different, you know, metamorphoses within this lifetime. And, you know, I'm not going to give, give a rule about money. Just the, the base rule is it's energy. And if you want it, it's there. And if you want to have a life without it and live a different life, that's for you as well. Just know you are in the driver's seat. So when we have a lack, we've got to look within ourselves how we created the lack. When we're in abundance, we've got to look at how we created the abundance. We are co-creators. So how do we get to that abundance? So there's several ways. The first is visioning. So we don't get to abundance for the sake of abundance. We always create a vision, a vision for our life. And then we, so firstly, it's the visioning, the feeling, seeing, knowing that the vision of what we want is created. It's the boat, it's the house. It's, it's the holiday trip. It, it, it's whatever you want that to be. It could be just a new bike. Um, then we've got to create a vibration that matches that vision. So we've got to feel and act and know as if we have it. And some that's where we a lot of us fall down when we're manifesting. It's like, well, I don't have the bike. I don't have the, the new car. I'm still driving this car that breaks down. So instead of focusing on that the gap, I, 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 I work with a lot of play energy. Um, I work with a lot of lightness, um, creating space laughter, having strong soul tribe, anything that lifts your vibration up. Then we have processes I teach about connecting into the vision, but we're a vibrational match to whatever is in our environment. Your vibration drops and you're not a match to the abundance. You'll find it hard to bring it in. So you need a whole lot of processes to lift your vibration so that you can attract it. Mm. This is like loving partners as well. Act like you found the, the soulmate. Act like you have. Walk in the door looking fantastic, feeling funny, feeling interesting, the interesting and interested. Live your life as if you have them, then they walk in. Yeah, it, it's interesting though. The whole manifesting and abundance theme doesn't go with something like say Buddhism where it's kind of you know, um, get rid of your desires. It's like, how do you manifest money and still not make it a desire 
Well, I think we all have desires. It's it's just we can't be attached to it looking a certain way. You may not buy, you may not get given the boat, but someone might lend you a boat for a weekend, and you go, oh well, I wanted to buy a boat, but you know boats are expensive. They're actually a lot of work and you don't use them that often. You don't use them twice a year. So you move next door to a guy who has a boat and he's like, come out to me, come out on my boat twice a year. Your manifestation has happened just not as you thought. So that's that's the kicker. That's the rule. The desire is I want to own a boat because it makes me, it make, I make it mean about myself X, Y, and Z. Whereas if you tap into the feeling and the experience you're having, then you're more likely to manifest what you want. I don't know if Buddhism teaches us not to have desires. I think it's like Buddhism, like all the spiritual aspects of religion, teaches to have a vision of service. You know, I've got a real vision of service. Does that involve abundance? Yeah, it does. My highest vision is service. It's to speak to groups of people, to transform their thinking, how they feel about themselves. My highest vision is to help people to know about courage and to be courageous in their life. Underneath that, there's absolutely all these things I need to make that happen. Um, abundance to run a business, to keep on growing, to be on podcasts like with you, Kevin. But my highest vision is of service. I've yet to see someone have an awakening into a calling that didn't involve service. It always involves serving. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what happened to me. Yeah, yeah I, it was shying away from my health practice you know went into the dark night and now i'm back in it and it's like it's like no no go back over there knock it off yes you can be a change agent in your health practice right and you know you've got to transform yeah and like i said earlier you know it's about being useful service is a great word too i mean they're kind of the same thing but um again we're 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 gonna we're gonna die so it's like it's kind of like if you told someone you only had one day like all right it's over tomorrow night you know (laughs) what do you want to do yeah you got 24 hours what are you gonna do what do you want to do yeah and whatever it is in that time it's Mm. probably what you want to do almost every day yeah. Well, that, that I, I, I like that. I do like that question. It, it's a bit short-term thinking. Um, to do great things, you've got to plan to build a castle, not, not, not something you'd build in a day, which would be a, would be a, you know, a shack or something, you know, you know, a, a, a building structure you'd build quick, quickly. This book took me two years to write. I'll write another book. Even as I think about what I'm speaking, that takes me hours to really think about days and weeks. And so everything great I've built in my life has been a long-term vision. So I always get my clients, what's your long-term vision and what are your short-term visions? You've got to have both. Your, long, your short-term vision's got to build into your long vision and your long vision's got to have a whole sequence of short-term visions. Yeah, I just opened the clinic and it, it took me it took me nine months. Um, yeah. It was a lot of work. I bet it was a lot of work. <laughs> it was a lot of work. And so what I did was... Is, I just made a, a checklist and I just kept mm. it on my phone and mm. I, I, I did my best to stay in the moment daily mm. and I let the checklist guide me. So, all right, that's done. You know, I got these two things done today, but there's still 
29 more things to do and it's going to take months and months and months. But, you know, I I did my best to not attach myself to it and just take it day by day, but still got it done. Yeah. You're amazing. Not easy. Not easy. Not easy, but how rewarding is it? We've got to choose our pain in life. If we don't choose our pain, the universe will. So you chose the pain of opening a practice, a clinic. You, you chose your vision, you chose your pain. Every time we choose our vision, we're choosing the corresponding pain to go with our vision. So I choose to write a book. So I had to choose to lock myself away for nine months, live off no money. I, you don't write a book with a community, you write it alone. And I, so the pain was isolation, financial, a bit of financial strain, really feeling like I didn't know what I was doing. You feel like a fraud when you write a book, but I chose that pain because the vision was to have a published book. So you were like, your vision is to have in a clinic. You're like, okay, I'm going to choose to work weekends. I've got to fit this out. I need to digitize all my clients. I've got to train staff. So you chose your pain. When we choose our vision, we're always choosing our pain. But what we do is we resent the pain when it comes up. We think, why am I in pain? Well, you didn't, you're never going to have a vision without pain. Yeah, it's always just some, a little trade-off. It's always a little. It's duality. Duality, yeah, there you go. It's, it's just the operation of duality, which is a law always in existence. Every rose has its thorn. <laughs> Absolutely, but it's, it's the, the thorn is in equal proportion to the, the beauty of the rose. So to keep things in homeostasis and balance. Now that's an old rock song. I don't know. You said you're 35. I don't know. You remember? I'm 45. You're 45. I'm an old. I'm an old soul in a 45 year old's body. Yeah. Okay. So you probably remember. Every rose has its thorn. I don't know if you know. I came to Australia. I don't know. But (laughs) he sang it. It's poison. It's an 80s band. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a poison fan. Oh wow. (laughs) (laughs) I used to be a rocker back in the in the late 80s early 90s yeah you'd never you'd never think it <laughs> you were a partier you mentioned that my first concert i ever went to was guns and roses okay in the in the in the in the 80s it was no no 90s 92 so well before my spiritual well before my spiritual awakening <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah so you you uh, you know, we're, we're about the same age. And, and mm. so where do you see yourself at 55? Yeah, it's interesting. I see myself having evolved and, and learned a lot more lessons, you know, with ease and grace. Um, I see myself have written another book. This book is about the awakening process. The process of, my next book is going to be about how to stay awake. After you awaken, you've got to stay awake. So it's going to be about how to stay awake. Um, uh, you know, I want a family, um, you know, I, I, I guess my, my vision is family, balance, love, abundance, um, teaching more students, traveling the world globally, teaching workshops around the world, running retreats around the world. That's what's on my vision board. And I know the universe is going to take me there in a very interesting, delightful way. And there's tons of people out there that are, are older. They're, they're in their fifties, their sixties. Maybe they mm. don't like their job. They don't like what's going on. Mm. They can still turn it around and change too. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, if I was 55 having my awakening now, I'd still be determined because 
you know, we said earlier today, um, everyone dies, not everyone lives. If you have your awakening a week before you die, you've had your awakening and you've taken back a level of power. So your soul's evolved in the way it needed to. It's never too late. It's not about quitting your job. It's never too late to discover what you love. Then find a mentor, a teacher, a group of friends, a support group to get to help you get there. It's the transition that we need help with. The sad saying. We all know what, sorry? The, the, the sangha and the sad saying. You know, yeah. Buddhist terms, but. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think the Buddha himself had spirit guides? I think Buddha, Buddha absolutely had, had, a, had a guide for sure. hundred percent. I mean, I think Buddha was working as a channel when Buddha spoke, it was channeled guidance for humanity. But Buddha was, when, when I say guides, Buddha was connected to the highest self and source. Yeah. So that he, Buddha was connected all already to the, to the highest planes. I mean, Buddha is a guide now for many. Yeah, I, fi I find his uh, sutras, teachings to be very vibrational. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. It did, and so that means Jesus must have had a spirit guide too. Well, you know, again, you know, Jesus is connected to one oneness and, 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 and God consciousness. So Jesus is cross consciousness. So it's, 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 there, there's some that just connect to oneness and source energy and they don't need to go through the ascension process of connecting with guides because their vibration is already so high. If their vibration is already so high, uh, I'd have to assume they came in with some really good karma. Well, I don't know if karma is ever good or bad. Karma is what is. They came in with the, the, the karma dharma to serve. Mm. They've had a purification process in many lifetimes. They came back wanting to do this. Yeah. Right back to that word, serve. <laughs> Absolutely. Just helping, helping out. Yeah. yeah. But we still got to make money. Yeah, it's what a different a, world what a, than it was. What a paradox. What a, what a balance. Like, what a... Well, if you don't see money as evil, you see as energy, and what we do is energy works and healers is an energy exchange. Money is just a form of energy to come back to you. My first mentor, I met him at an ashram, mm. and he was just surrendered. I mean, he money outside world none of that mattered to him he was he was he was thrilled to vacuum the rug yeah you know? that is yeah that is beautiful service yeah and he geez, and i yeah. never experienced anything like it in my life and that's yeah. what made me yeah you know, i was 30 i was turning 33 years old at the time and that's what yeah. made me like say i want to be more like that than, than yeah. oprah winfrey you know like i want to be more yeah. like that yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So some people just don't care about the money. They don't care about yeah. any of that. Yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah. Very yeah, interesting. No, I like it. So where can someone get your book and come find your work? So my book's available on Amazon, on Book Depository. It's available in bookstores in the U.S., 
Um, it's easy probably to find it online. So amazon.com. You can find me on sheilav.co. I run an awakening course. It's a 10-week program to awaken you into your spiritual gifts and just to really help you understand what is this path called the spiritual path. And I also mentor um, coaches, healers, light workers, spiritual workers to help you get your business up and running. I, sh- I, I accelerate you and quantum you. You know, if you ask me your questions, I've done all these workshops, yet I don't know how I'm meant to work. I don't know how to make money. I don't know how to move it from a little side hustle into something that's really abundant. I have a program I teach um, and, and, a, and a, I've written it from my heart and from my own experience and, and to, to, to show people how to get to where I've gotten to. Cool. And my last question is, besides your book, what are the top three books that inspired you in your life? Oh, that's really great. Open to Channel. I wish I knew the author. I'm just trying to, in my, in my group, I, I taught it's Open to Channel, Sanaya Roman. Um, that's a channel book, Open to Channel. Um, Diana Cooper, A Little Light on the Spiritual Laws. Diana Cooper's A Little Light on the Spiritual Laws. Oh my God, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I read so many books, so many books. Hmm. Um, what else has changed me? When I was dating, uh, so many people have dating challenges. Um, women who love too much. And I think men can read it too um, because there's a there's a real boundary issue for a lot of people in the spiritual past. So when I do relationship coaching, Women Who Love Too Much is another book that changed my life many years ago. All right. Well, we can, we can actually date because I don't have a sister. <laughs> okay. Thank goodness. Uh, well, I'm engaged though. <laughs> well, I had to make the, you know, the sister joke work somehow. So yeah, yeah, you did. You did. I get it. Sheila, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. It's been great being on. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.